This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Friday, August 3rd. This is episode 214. I am Dan Ellis. I'm Ryan Duffy. Tonight you are. Yeah, tonight I am. Because Ryan is not here. Correct. I don't know. Do you remember where he said he was going or what he was doing? No. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think he was doing something. I don't know. I think he was going to go camping, just fuck off for a while, but I don't remember for sure. He said he was going to try to make it here tonight and apparently failed in that mission. Yeah, he might not make it home today. Or st- I'm still trying to get home today so I c- so I can join you guys tonight, but I'm not sure if it'll happen. Yeah. Try harder, Ryan. From Dan. <laughs> well, it reminded me of when Meg was in the studio and she was like, when when we had her recording drops and stuff. Uh-huh. And she's like, well, I just, I can't fucking, I don't know what you want me to say or how you want me to do oh, it. Or, yeah. I think I'm doing it okay. And Ryan's just like, try harder. <laughs> <laughs> do it good. <laughs> so, it just reminded me of that. Yeah, so, yeah. And I, I don't know if he... I don't know if he took it well or not. He didn't reply to it, so. Well, here's the thing about Ryan uh, that I know you know, Dan, uh-huh. uh, but he is not bothered by very much. Yeah, no. And. It, it all seems to just roll off him. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. What have you been doing for the last while? Um, I am still going to th- therapy which is going which is going well and uh good good should probably repeat that if anyone out there is wondering if you're even thinking about whether or not you should go then you should go please Mm -hmm. please do that Mm -hmm. um oh and i know that uh that regina is helping at least in some little bit because i felt worse about missing the show last week which was my fault than i otherwise would have so there's like softer emotions coming back well but you were you were here basically when when we would have started recording right right ordinarily and i was headed out because i wasn't sure if you were going to be here or not and i had yeah other stuff to do as well and thought okay well maybe he forgot or is busy doing some maybe his car broke down i don't know and so I hopped in the truck and was going to go pick stuff up for Atheists of Utah. I can't even remember what it, oh, it was for camping. For the camp think, out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to go pick up shit for the camping trip. And so we kind of ran into each other on the road as I was leaving and you were just getting here. We still could have recorded. Right. And I was just like, I have yeah, other shit. You're, you were on to net the other things, which, which yeah. I get. I, yeah. I totally get. And then you're like, well, but there's pizza in there if you want it. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I can just go in and eat your pizza. I'll just, I guess I'll just go home. <laughs> you should have you should have just taken a pizza home with you because wow. then I just had two giant pizzas yeah, right. that sat around for my bed for a week. Uh, but yeah, so the uh, 
the uh, the bit of guilt that I felt over that is uh, is all thanks to uh, Regina Tippett. <laughs> <laughs> She uh, seems really cool. Yeah, she is. She was a lot of fun on the show. And I've had a couple other uh, listeners of the show reach out and ask if she does like remote therapy because, well, one of, one of our contributors, one of the people who has contributed a whole lot to the show actually reached out and asked if she did like video or teleconferencing, mm. uh, counseling services. And so I asked her and she's like, Oh yeah, absolutely. If they want. And oh, so, great. Yeah. So if you are in a, in an area that doesn't have a secular therapist near you, contact Regina. Mm-hmm. You can find her contact information in the episode where she was on the show. What was that? 212, I think. Two. Yeah. It was just a couple back. 211, 212. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she seems awesome. Yeah. And you, well, the, so the very first time you went to see her, you just seemed a bit lighter when you were here. Um, I don't know. Like, like, I, yeah, I don't have any other way to describe it, but I even sent her a message and I said, you know, I'm glad Matt's coming to see you. He just seemed, and I think I put for lack of a better word, lighter mm-hmm. when, when you were here. I know you mentioned that, that day too. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it probably is true. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to be like any overnight sort of fixes or, changes or anything necessarily Mm -hmm. but you know i think just being able to kind of sound off about stuff or just to even have somebody validate some of the those things like oh yeah that that would definitely make me feel such an whatever a way um just kind of does help you to feel a little bit better about it for a little you know at least for a time or whatever but yeah so i'm not surprised that you picked up on that i guess yeah and you've gotten to see her, I think, two or three times mm-hmm. since then. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you're digging it. She's helping. Good. Yeah. That's it awesome. It has been good. Um, yeah. Very good. And sort of in the same vein, uh, uh just kind of crossed my mind today. I, I think I heard somebody say it, but can we can we stop using the phrase uh this phrase in a disparaging way for a grumpy person? Uh maybe he wasn't hugged enough as a child. um i mean i i understand what that phrase is getting at but like that's a perfectly legitimate reason to like not be happy about things all the time Hmm. if you if you didn't ever have physical contact as a kid yeah um and also if if that's if that's the kind of person you think you're talking to somebody whose parents couldn't be bothered to even give them a hug. What makes you think they're going to be nice to you <laughs> in the first place? <laughs> and and why would they ever be nice to you after you make a shitty comment like that? Right. Yeah. Right. For something that was beyond their control, and now they may have some issues about it, and then you turn around and point the finger at them like somehow it's their problem. Right. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, I was not hugged as a child. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I didn't. <laughs> mom, mom was not a nurturing type. Uh, no. Yeah. No, narcissists aren't. Yeah. Nope. Um. Side note: the I don't I don't know if our listeners will care about this, but it's a small correction. But I just found out today: hmm. the bleach challenge video and the BME pain Olympics are both fake. Really? Mm-hmm. 
The bleach challenge, I can see that uh-huh. being fake for sure. Some of the BME stuff, though, like all of it is fake or some Apparently of it so. or really the the guy who made it has other videos that are not fake that are also pretty mm, grotesque a little disturbing yeah, disturbing maybe and and ouchy but uh-huh. but that that particular video is is fake huh. so the you're talking about the hatchet and the uh-huh. and the sack and <laughs> yeah i was i was not uh i was not exactly uh displeased to find that that was fake Oh yeah, that makes <laughs> it well. It makes me glad that somebody didn't actually do that to themselves. Right, right, right. But also, why? Why would you create something like that? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, teach his own, but I would imagine there are lots of other ways that somebody could spend their time that would be much more productive. Yeah. Healthy. I, I would uh, think so. Life affirming. Although, <laughs> I mean, if if a project like that helps this person to release those feelings in that way rather than doing it to himself or someone else, then that uh, prob- yeah. is a good use of his time. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Hmm. And then the last, no, sorry, two more. Two more, fi- two more things, finally. Two more. All right. One of them's related to something we were talking about a minute ago, which huh. is the... Uh, Ryan lets things roll off his back or whatever. I just, I just felt the need to put it out there for our listeners that, um, we don't just shit all over Ryan in our lives. Like it may, it may come. (laughs) Well, maybe you don't, but I sure do. Well, damn, (laughs) it may come across that way just based on the content of the show. (laughs) But, uh, we have normal conversations with him before and after the shows and we talk about stuff and he's just a super sweet guy. And I feel like we, we do kind of shit on him cause it's easy, but, uh, well, and it's, yeah. I, well, I think we all kind of have parts that we play on the show, right? Like every sure. show, every, every show, somebody, you know, each of the characters kind of plays a part, right? And it's, I mean, we're still pretty much true to how we are in real life and everything, but I don't know. It's, it's not that. Everything we say and do is in a, is a perfect representation yeah. or characterization of how we live the rest of our lives when we're not sitting behind a microphone. Right. And, and I think Ryan is just happy to play the part of being the guy who gets shit on every now and then. <laughs> it sure seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, I think he's just a good sport and he, he doesn't yeah, he, mind. He thinks it's funny. So. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah. And finally, final Lily, um, this Danielle showed me this, uh, somebody, some one of her Facebook friends posted that, uh, she saw this up in a doctor's office and I just thought it was awesome. So I was like, Oh, I should share that on the show. And it says not vaccinating your kids leaves them vulnerable to disease their whole lives. When your daughter gets rubella when pregnant, how are you going to explain that you chose to leave her at risk? What will you say when she calls? And tells you that she has cervical cancer because you decided that she uh, wouldn't need the HPV vaccine. Hmm. What do you tell your son when he breaks the news to you that he cannot have kids thanks to the mumps that he got as a teenager? And what do you say when he give when he gives influenza to his grandma? How do you explain that she won't be coming home from the hospital? Not ever. Do you tell them that they didn't think these diseases were that serious? Uh, 
that you thought that your organic home-cooked food was enough to protect them? <laughs> Do you say sorry? Interesting. Throwing some shade at the doctor's office. Nice. Which is where that should be. <laughs> Doctors all over the country and world should be saying, ha having similar sentiments about uh, anti-vaxxers. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened or the story, but I seem to recall somebody telling me that um, a friend of theirs who was anti-vax went to uh, like a child doctor. What the fuck are they called? <laughs> a, a doctor who works on kids. Oh, a I, pediatrician. Th I thought you meant a Doogie Howser, like a child doctor. <laughs> no, they took, the, they took their kids. <laughs> yes, a pediatrician. <laughs> took their kids into a pediatrician and the pediatrician <laughs> You know, was just doing the initial interview and everything. They were a new patient to this guy. And they said something about how, you know, the, the parents relayed to the doctor that the children hadn't been vaccinated and that they didn't plan on vaccinating them because they didn't think that it was safe or healthy or whatever. They didn't believe in vaccinations. And the doctor basically just said, then you're going to have to find another doctor because I'm not going to have your kids in here around kids who can't get vaccinated and are susceptible to these things when your children, you know, probably can be vaccinated and you're just choosing not to. I'm not going to have you put my other patients at risk. Yeah. So you're going to have to find another doctor. Yeah, that that should be part of the Hippocratic Oath that they take, right? That, yeah. Oh, no, if you're going to be a danger to my other patients, then you can fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here with your pseudoscience quackery. Like you're here seeing me as a professional who has spent years and years mm -hmm. of my life, probably, you know, more than a decade for anybody who's specializing as a pediatrician now. Mm -hmm. And to say that you're not going to follow your doctor's advice, like, well, what the fuck are you even doing here in the first place? Yeah, then? yeah, yeah. Why, why are you here? Why would you choose to share that with me? Get the fuck out. Like, I'm mm -hmm. not going to have you as a patient. Yeah, good. Uh, was that your last? That was your last yeah. thing. Okay. What have you been doing? Oh, so many things. Uh, we had the Atheists of Utah camping trip, which was fan fucking tastic, man. The weather, the weather on Friday was amazing. Even better than the weather on Friday was the full moon and Mars up in the mountains. There was a full Mars too. Out of the a full Mars. Wow. Up in the mountains, out of the smog, and just clear, you know, little wispy clouds here and there, but the moon was as big and bright as, as big and bright as I have <laughs> ever seen it. Man, you were really taken by that thing. <clears throat> Jesus. Uh, but no, the, the moon was just amazing. It was so bright. I don't think that I've ever been outside somewhere before and had the moon be so bright that like, there's no other lights around and you didn't need a flashlight. It was so bright that it's casting shadows. Mm. And anytime a cloud moved in front of it, like everything got really dark. Wow. It was just so fucking cool. That's because you're so much closer to it up in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> At least a couple thousand feet closer. <laughs> but no, it was just, it was fucking awesome. And everybody there was just so cool. I had a great time. Friday night was just perfect. The, the company, everybody who was there, the, the mood, the moon. Um, the music, there, there was a guy there named Ben that I hadn't met before and he started playing some EDM. Oh, cool. And then another guy there had what during the daytime looked like cheap little pieces of shit. Like what the fuck is this thing? It was just like flat 
sheets of plastic, but with, uh, I don't know, it was kind of shaped like a person's head with headphones on and it was a light display. So like, and it would react to the music in real time. Mm. So as the mm. beat and the tempo were changing, like the light display is bouncing more and more. It was just the coolest thing in the dark with that and the EDM music and the fire and just, yeah. Now, hmm. yeah, it was just, it was a perfect, perfect night. I, it was the best camping trip that I've been on with Atheists of Utah. Just awesome. The moon wasn't too bright for the, for the light effects, huh? No, no, it was just fucking awesome. Amazing. It sounds cool. There, there are more things that I'll tell you offline that the were, were really cool, but, uh, yeah, it was just awesome. Amazing, 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 amazing camping trip i had i loved wow. every minute of it and then i didn't put up a tent this year i just slept in the back of the truck put my air mattress in the back and, oh uh-huh and it sounds better actually those tents get so stuffy oh yeah well and then it's just i didn't do it because i'm fucking lazy oh okay <laughs> like i didn't i didn't want to have to take the time to set up my tent by myself and haul everything down into the tent and put it all in there and get it all set together to stay for two nights and then have to take it all down put it away it was just a lot easier to just blow up the air mattress and put my sleeping bag in the back of the truck. Right. And I found this great spot. So we had this group site that had like a parking lot and then, you know, a bunch of different individual sites and everything, but giant fire pits and just great common areas. It was a fantastic site. I think we may just use uh, this particular site going forward because it was just awesome. It was a great. Did site. you do, uh, did you do grilled thigh meat and stuff on the, on the first night or? No. Like the last time I was there? <laughs> Grilled thigh? Oh, no. Oh, yeah, that was awful. I forget about that. Oh, God, yeah. No, yeah, she that, that person wasn't here this year. I feel terribly that she got so burned, but yeah, yeah that was that was a bad deal. Um, Yeah, no, no injuries. As far as I know, nobody got hurt Good. Not at even all. in the orgy? No, <laughs> not even. I mean, there was a baby there and nobody ate it. Really? Yeah. Well, Man, were you guys even having fun? Were we? <laughs> <laughs> so no, it was a super cool spot. Yeah, it was a great spot. Um, it, but right before you got to the parking lot area, there was this little dirt road turnoff that was just like right next to the parking lot. So I just backed my truck up into that and it was awesome. It was like this almost complete horseshoe. Well, it was a horseshoe, but it was almost completely closed off except for the small road that led into it mm. uh just uh trees all around it and so i just backed my truck up into there and then by the time i went to go to sleep at like 4 30 or 5 in the morning <laughs> um the moon was like right in line with my truck and so yeah just laying in the back of the truck staring at this gorgeous beautiful moon oh, with cool. the trees all around it it was so fucking awesome like i couldn't have picked a, per a more perfect setting it was just so so cool uh, so did that. That was a whole lot of fun. Got a new job that is very, uh, within your, within your old career. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still working for the man, but I got a promotion to, uh, I'm not, I'm not coding anymore. Um, I am a program manager now. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a lot. I feel like I'm, trying to drink from a fire hose all of all the different things that they're throwing at me and it's a shit ton more responsibility like um potentially called before congress type 
responsibility mm. if if shit gets fucked up because I'm the program manager over the group that handles all file transfers within to and from the internal revenue service. Yikes. Uh, hundreds of thousands of file transfers every year, uh, based on the system that my team develops and maintains. And do you get to pick your team? Hundreds of servers. No, oh. no, they, they were already in place. And the already this year, we've, we've transferred more files than we did throughout all of last year. And it just, oh, the number wow. just keeps going up and up and up. And so, I mean, we're, we're in charge of hundreds of servers. Um, yeah, just a lot. And so ramping up, learning all of that. And it's, it's going to be a lot more work than my old job. Oh man. And right now I'm split 50 50 between the two teams. And my new boss is really cool because I had a meeting, uh, last week and. I mean, basically every day now is wall to wall meetings for me for the most part. Um, sounds awesome. Yeah, it's great. But I had, I had one meeting in particular where I was asked a bunch of questions and I'm like brand new to the team. I think I'd been actually on the team for maybe a week and, mm. you know, trying to answer a lot of questions on a system that I don't know very well yet and don't even really know the people on my team, who's doing what, who's in charge of what. And so my, my new boss called me afterward and was just like, so how's things going? You know, you, you think you're getting everything okay. And I'm like, man, it's just a lot. I feel like I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. And he said, yeah, I kind of got that in the, in the meeting. And I'm like, well, I, I, I hope I didn't sound, you know, like I wasn't interested or like, I don't know anything because I think I'm a fairly smart guy, but I'm brand new to the team. and you know, I don't, I don't have the answers for these things yet. And he's like, Oh no, you were great. He said, you did, you did really, really well, but you did seem, you know, like you were a little overwhelmed. And he said, I totally understand that. And he said, I, I know that you're splitting your time 50% between my team and your old team because my old team freaked out when they heard that I had been promoted and would be leaving. And now they've hired two people to backfill my position. Huh. <laughs> and so. I'm working with my why new team. Why didn't they just uh, move Dan Damp up? <laughs> oh, dude, the just the way he responded when he found out that I was promoted oh, I was can't wait. was just awesome. Like, because he thinks he's just as good as or better than everybody else. Oh there. yeah. Oh, absolutely. He's the best thing. Yeah. Yeah, but the his reaction when he when he heard that I was getting promoted and I happened to be in the room because we had our weekly team meeting when I announced it to everybody and just his reaction in the meeting was fucking priceless because he said basically through gritting teeth, like congratulations. That's so <laughs> awesome. I'm really happy for you. You totally deserve it. <laughs> it was just, just the look on oh, his man. face. I, I, I just will treasure that forever. Um, but yeah, it, it's a lot. And so my new boss said that he realized that I was a bit overwhelmed in the meeting. And he said, you know, I, I know you're splitting your time between the two teams. He said, which is great. You know, I'm sure your old team really appreciates it. I know that if I had somebody who was really important to the team and they got a promotion and was just going to be yanked away, I'd probably be a little upset and freaking out too. He said, so I, 
you know, I, I'm glad that we can still offer your services to them to transition them to get new people in and, and whatever. And, uh, he said, I know that you're splitting your time 50 50, which basically translates into now you're working on two teams a hundred percent of the time, which I basically am. Cause I'm still, you know, handling some of my workload from my old job until I can get these two new people trained while I'm also training in my new position and trying to get all that figured out. And yeah, it's just, it's a lot. I, I don't have much time for much of anything, uh, over the past couple of weeks. And it'll be that way for the foreseeable future. Hopefully I'll get it all, I'll get all caught up and everything, but this is my first program management position and it's a lot. It's, <laughs> we have five, either five or six different projects that I'm the program manager for. And yeah, and it's a very, very high profile position. When things go well, everybody's just like, Hey, great. You guys are doing awesome. You know, the, the machinery is staying greased and everything's flowing fine. But once there's the tiniest little hiccup, man, it, it's a world of shit raining down on you. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and because earlier this year there was the problem with, I think it was for four or six hours, the IRS, uh, main filing system was down and people were freaking out about that. So since then, now we've had to institute all these new protections and, things that are just making it that much more difficult for an agency that is already horribly uh under budgeted, understaffed, overworked and shit on all the time by everybody. But yes. I don't know. I I I like working there because I feel like I'm doing my small part as a civil servant to help keep the machine running. Mhm. And I'm sure all the libertarians are going, no, <laughs> you shouldn't do that. But we don't have any libertarian listeners. Yeah. Maybe I'm sure there might be a couple. Eh, there could be a couple. Yeah. But yeah, I, I enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, it's, I'm super, super busy now. Um, uh, well, I think you saw how many emails and shit I have and unread email. That's just one of my, that's my personal email account. Dude, I get so much fucking email at work. It's like I go from meetings to email and back and forth and trying to read email while I'm in meetings and responding to people. It's just fucking nuts how crazy busy I am now. Uh, Atheists of Utah had their member meeting and board election and I chose not to run this year. My term ended, uh, which is a good thing because I just don't have the time to devote to it. I'm still helping them quite a bit. We've got the Pride Festival tomorrow. So once we finish recording tonight, I've got to print up a bunch of membership forms and go through a bunch of our inventory. Get Is that all sorted Pride's out. this weekend? Uh, Ogden Pride, yeah. Oh, Ogden Pride. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So Ogden Pride is tomorrow. Uh, I will be there. Hopefully, well, anybody who's listening to this will be listening to it after the Pride yeah, Festival, right. but hopefully... Some of you stopped by and said hello, and I'm sure I was happy to see you. Um, but that should be a good time, but it's just a lot of work. I've got to go. I've got to do all of that tonight, get everything packed up in the truck tomorrow. Had fucking tire issues that I had to deal with today because I've got to haul all of the shit to Ogden tomorrow. Had to get four new tires today on the truck to get that all taken care of. And I think this will be my last event for a little while because I'm just way too busy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we'll we'll do the Pride Festival tomorrow, and then I've got to haul all the shit back down here, take it all to storage, and then I'll be <laughs> done for a little while. Um, what else? Oh, so at work yesterday, I'm on the teleconference meeting with my old team, and of course, Damf is in the building on site in the meeting I, and I was only half listening because I'm reading emails and shit while he's droning on about something else. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden to what to me sounded like it was completely out of the blue and for no specific reason, he says, well, again, what's causing all of the, what's, what's the common denominator with all of these school shootings. Uh. And everybody just kind of looks around the table I'm sure while they're sitting there, there's just silence on the phone for a minute. And he says, gun-free zones. We got to get rid of them. Oh, my God. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, the one common denominator is in shootings yeah. is gun-free zones. <laughs> He's just so fucking stupid. Yep. I. So that was the first thought that ran through my mind is, really, the, the one common denominator is that it's a gun-free zone. And then the second thought I had was, Fuck, I'm so glad I will only be splitting my time onto this team for the next month. I'm, I'm devoting half of my time to each team until September 2nd, and then I'm supposedly done with my old team and I won't have to deal with him anymore. But I'm just, but there were, so he said that, and uh, there were some groans and mumbles and everything on the phone. And then, um, our old acting manager, who's just a, a team member, uh, said, you know, well, let's move on. That's just, and Damp's like, well, it's just, and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Let's move on. We're, you know, we got to continue the meeting. Just like, he, he fucking derails shit with stupid shit like that all the fucking time and wastes so much goddamn time. And then <laughs> in our meeting, uh, in our meeting later that day, separate meeting, he had the balls to talk about fraud waste and abuse for something something the government is doing and uh, yeah. they're just wasting money all the time and i'm like dude if we counted up all the fucking time that you have wasted not just your time but other people's time yeah, exactly listening to you run your fucking mouth jesus fucking christ that would be in the tens of thousands of dollars at least for all of the fucking time that you waste being a goddamn asshole and idiot i was yeah i was kind of mad well, and it's stupid too, because he's, he's, it's, it's not just that I completely disagree with him. He's just wrong yeah. about like the one common denominator they have is that gun-free zone. Let's, let's grant him that. Let's, let's assume that all of them have hap happened at gun-free zones. Then guns haven't happened in all of them. Bullets haven't been on males. <laughs> they've all been males. Like, you know, th there's a ton of common, de there isn't just one common denominator. There's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So. And that's not in gun free zones is not anywhere near the top of the for reasons why that stuff happens. Yeah. And this was one of the times that I didn't actually say something. And I think it's because I'm just excited that I won't have to fucking work with him anymore. Yeah. I'm, I won't have to work with him anymore. I won't have to deal with him. But our stories. And we're not going to get any more stories. And <laughs> I'm sure I'll still run Truth into him yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to waste any more of anybody's time arguing with a fucking dipshit. Right, like, right. you know, Brent, the, the other guy that I work with that was our acting manager for a little while, 
when he said, you know, let's just carry on with the meeting. I thought, okay, well, good. Yeah, let's do that. I'm not going to say anything because that would just be an even bigger waste of people's time. And maybe one day, if he ever bothers to ask me my thoughts on anything, I'm going to let him know what a giant fucking prick I think he is. Um, I don't think I mentioned on the show that like a month ago, he came over to my desk and was talking. He did that fucking thing where he sneaks up behind me. I've got oh. my headphones in and he sneaks up behind me and startles me. So I'm already pissed off and I turn around and I'm, you know, I'm like, what? What do you mm. need? And he's like, Oh, I'll just come over, say hi and what's going on. And if you're having problems with this thing on the computer, you know, we're all, we're trying to, I can't even remember what it was. We're trying to install something and it wasn't going well. Oh, it was clear. It, it was our content management software. Anyway, we're having a hard time upgrading with some of the machines, blah, blah, blah. And he's having a problem, so he comes over to check and see if I'm having the same problem. And he has to fucking walk over to my desk instead of sending me an instant message or yeah. an email or calling me or anything else. And he's standing there, and, you know, he's going on and on. And he said something about um that he got in a big argument with his daughters. And this is the first time in any interaction that I've had with him where I thought, oh, I'm intrigued. Have I told this story yet? I don't, I don't, doesn't sound familiar to okay. me. Okay. I, I just thought, oh, for, for once, when this dipshit is saying something, I'm somewhat intrigued. Like, why is he yeah. arguing with his daughters? And he says, and I said, oh, yeah, well, what are, what's the problem? What do you, what's, what's going on? Why are you angry with your daughters? And he says, well, you know, my one daughter says that she wants, some of her mother's ashes. And then my other daughter says that she wants some now. So my one daughter is getting the other one all riled up and now they're arguing with me. And, and I told them, well, if, you know, if they want some ashes, then they're going to have to buy their own urns and I'm not going to supply that. And, and then they're going to have to take it somewhere and have it professionally done because that's just going to make a big mess. And, you know, I'm not going to unseal what? it and, and, you know, un unpack their mother's ashes and get a big mess. And just so that, you know, they can have something like, that's not my responsibility. They're going to have to pay for that themselves and i told them they're gonna have to pay for that themselves and oh yeah you're you're a big tough man <laughs> yeah yeah and he's like and then so it was just you know so it just turned into this whole big thing like and i just thought well if that's the way you're gonna be then i don't want to have anything to do with you what and i thought that's that was what? that's what i was like and i like i'm thinking to myself what a giant fucking prick like you're going to disown your own daughters your only living relatives because they want some of their mother's ashes and somehow that's putting you out and you would disown them because they have been bothering you for these now for over a year since she died and you still haven't turned them over and somehow it's your daughter's fault and you're being a giant dick about this and you would disown your own fucking yeah. children over this. Yeah. Let's, let's fast forward this like three years into the future or something. I was like, uh, oh, what, what, my, my daughters? No, I, we, I don't talk to them anymore. Really? What happened? Well, they were trying to get stuff out of me for free. <laughs> what, what, what could have been, what could it be that was so important that you wouldn't talk to them anymore? Oh, they wanted, uh, some ashes from their mother. Yeah. <laughs> their mother's ashes. They wanted me to share that. Can you believe that? Well, and then I was double intrigued because, and I even said, Man. because most Mormons don't, get created right, right i mean right. for the longest time mormons just didn't do that yes yeah. that's, that's not a thing that they do because 
there's this whole belief that, you know, when Christ comes back, you're, you're going to be restored and he's not that powerful. Yeah. And for some reason, like you couldn't be cremated because then God wouldn't be able to reassemble you for some reason, or it would be more difficult. I don't know. There was this thing in the LDS church where just nobody was getting yeah. cremated. Like you, you don't want to make, you don't want to have to make him like look around for you and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I think maybe I did mention this before that my, I had an uncle who died in a fire. He didn't die in a fire. He died in, he, he was in an explosion at Thiokol when they were testing rockets. There were four other guys who died instantly in the explosion, but he was just entering the building when the explosion happened and it blew him, blew his body physically over a hundred yards away from the building. Man. He had third degree burns over 90% of his body, was life flighted to the hospital, um, was still alive at the hospital for a few hours and finally died in the hospital there. And, and according to my aunt, it's when she went in and, you know, went to the side of his bed and saw how badly he was burned and said, well, you know, I, I can see how much pain you're in and I know you wouldn't want to live the rest of your life like this. So if you want to go, you can go. And oh, then, yeah. and then he died mm. and it was a very special thing. And that's her telling it. I don't, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I, I was, I think I was 12 when he died. So it's, it's been like 30 years, but when, when that happened, I noticed that all of my family members on that side of the family decided all of a sudden that being cremated wasn't such a terrible thing. Right. Right. <laughs> like, because my uncle was almost cremated or pretty close to being cremated. And so now apparently it's okay. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that he said that his wife was cremated and. So that was the other part of the thing that intrigued me. And I was like, fuck, now I got to talk to this guy because I'm actually interested in what he's saying. Not because of who he is, but yeah. it's just kind of weird to me and interesting. But yeah, I just, what a fucking prick that he would yeah. disown his own daughters because they wanted some of their mother's ashes. Yeah. <sighs> I, I just, I can't, I can't. That, he's just such a fucking asshole. And I, I how selfish too like <laughs> how i mean you know uh, i know that sometimes you know patience is one of those things that can take a while to really get good at you know mm. but um you'd think you'd think by this guy's age that he'd have at least enough to not disown his fucking kids for wanting a very reasonable thing from him yeah well and then he always plays this thing where he's where he never has any, you know, he's always so broke and things are so hard for him oh, and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I know how much you make. You make a lot of fucking money and you live out in the middle of fucking nowhere. You don't yeah. have, you know, many bills or anything. And, uh, and are low. Yeah. All I could think is, well, if you weren't giving the church 10% of your fucking right. income, you might be better off. I wonder if he actually is. He, just, I, he seems so selfish that I wonder if he actually is doing that. I'm, I'm sure he is because he's selfish, but he's also, I think just all in on it. Oh yeah. He's all in and he's terrified that oh. God would be displeased. Right. And he's a boomer too. Right. Yeah. So he's getting up. Yeah. 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 So I'm sure he's given them his 10% gross, probably even that's your, you have to. Yeah. 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 But I, he's just, I, I will be so glad when I don't have to deal with him on a weekly basis. Yeah, like, I can imagine. Where it will be the chance encounter that I happen to run into him in the building if we're there at the same time or whatever. But to just not have to be around him, listen and listen to some of the just dumbass, stupid fucking things that he says all the time. Hmm. Wasting everybody else's time. Yeah. 
This is Callie. Just remember, love is love. Support your local lesbians. You're listening to The Godless Revolution. I didn't, I didn't have a great upbringing either. I, didn't have a, I grew up in a very religious family. Uh, my dad was a lot like Jesus, except that he turned red wine into domestic violence. Rejoining The Godless Revolution podcast now. So yeah, it's been a while since we've done a show, just me and you, and I was just wondering how we should break it to Ryan that he's not on the show anymore. <laughs> oh, are we back? Oh, shit. Uh, I don't know if any of that will be re- will be picked up, really. That was that was very soft. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to see if I can pump up the, <laughs> the uh, volume on that bit. Just uh, tr- trying to make it sound like it was sort of in conversation. Clandestine. We're, we're talking about Ryan while he's not here. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's been a little while since we've done any listener feedback because it has been. That's true. Uh, I got this message way back in June from uh, Stephanie. Right. Because I had mentioned that I got new headphones that I really love and she had asked about them. And so I, she sent me, she sent us a message asking about them. I replied. Initially, I gave her the, a link to the wrong headphones. And so then I had to send her the correct one. And she said, okay, Dan, I have it. So she replied after I sent her the right one. And she said, okay, Dan, I have a story about your Jabra, ref- Jabra referral. For those who don't know, um, and I don't think I mentioned the actual brand, but I got the Jabra 65T wireless headphones. And they're fucking awesome. I fucking love them. I look for excuses to use them. Like, I love wearing them. I, I wear them as much as possible. I can block external sound. I can pump external sound in through them into my ears if I want. Um, I can, I can mix my own voice into it when I'm on a call so I don't like speak really loudly or start slurring. Like I can hear myself while I'm speaking. Um, they're just Sweet. the, and the, the audio quality on them is great. The battery life is awesome. They come in a little case that charges them really quickly the the they're just they're fantastic they're they're what i've been looking for in a headphone for a really long time and i love them so she had asked about them and i sent her the link to them and she said okay dan i have a story about your jabra referral i finally got my headphones in the mail yesterday got to use them today while delivering mail i'm fucking in love with them by the way i'm glad to hear that awesome i'm so glad that you like them as well because they're really fucking cool uh she says funny thing is a while back my mom asked me about uh, my then current headphones, which were an LG model, the kind that hangs around the neck and uses Bluetooth. I told her they worked fine, but after that conversation, I went through three pairs, always breaking in the same spot. And I had some LG ones also. I think they were the ones that are kind of on a band that goes around your neck and then have headphones on little cords that pull out of there. You know, they're, they had a, they have a few different models. There are some that the cord retracts and some of them that the cord just kind of hangs around but it's got magnetic holders in the thing that loops around your neck and they're they were pretty good i mean they worked for quite a while but yeah i went through two pair of those two different models uh, and they the the second model i had broke fairly quickly anyway um she said clearly a design flaw i was fed up and so when i heard your podcast talking about your headphones i was intrigued my job is monotonous uh, so she she says my job is monotonous music audiobooks and podcasts get me through my day delivering mail I was intrigued. So today, the day I get to use said Jabra headphones after receiving them through the mail, I see my mom at my sister's birthday party. I'm stoked. I'm excited about my headphones. I want to enlighten others. I show her my purchase. She replies, 
Oh, I have those. I researched them. I didn't get your other headphones. I had my eye on the Jabra and researched headphones. Wow, my mom is cooler than me. It's fine. I'm taking her to see Fleetwood Mac in November. She has always been rad. They named me Stephanie so they could call me Stevie. I guess I just forgot parents are rad. Today I learned my mom was cooler than me. I'm glad you like the headphones. That's that's awesome. And oh, and then she then she said, by the by, still love your podcast and thank you for at least giving me street cred with my own mom. <laughs> Happy to help. Happy to help. I'm glad you like the headphones and uh that you were able to show mom that you can you can pick some good headphones also. It and cool. it sounds like you'll have a good time at Fleetwood Mac in November. Uh, a while back, we got an email from a Mama Dragon who had heard our episode where I complained about the Mama Dragon that I ran into at one of the Pride Festivals. I believe it was the Provo Pride Festival. And she had sent us in an email. Uh, regular li- listeners of the show may recall that I talked about that at length. I read her entire email before. and. Um, apparently now she's a regular, regular listener of the show. She's joined the Godless Revolution community on Facebook, has posted in there. She recently commented that she really enjoyed the episode with Caitlin and Callie. That was our last episode. I also thought that was a really good one. I, I, I like those ladies a whole lot, but she had sent us a reply. Um, so I, we did the episode about the Mama Dragons. She listened to it, sent us a long email about it. We read her email on on the show, and then she listened to that episode and sent us a, another reply that I need to find here again. Here we go. Uh, she says, hey again, Matt, Ryan, and Dan. Thank you so much for responding to my feedback. It was generous of you to read my entire letter and respond. I have something else to say, and I probably should have said this in my letter. The woman you spoke to at the Pride Festival... I don't know what was going on in her head, but I think I can offer a plausible explanation. First, if she was holding down the fort at the booth, most likely she was rocked by the pox, no question. Unless for some reason she is completely unplugged from her Mama Dragon's group most of the time, or wasn't a MD at the time, she knew it when it happened. MD. Oh, Mama Dragon. Duh. (laughs) My, my, she's a doctor. My explanation is that she is not used to confrontation, not in person. And especially with a man, she does not know. And it wasn't that I went to the mama dragons booth. Like she came over to our booth into the ask an atheist area and was, and decided to chat us up. So yeah, I, I, it wasn't that we were over there and she was the last person manning the booth or anything. She was just wandering the festival, talking to people, being, being, or at least attempting to be a good ambassador for the Mamba Dragons group. Um, so she says, and especially with a man that she does not know, I am not that type of personality. I will argue with you as long as you remain civil. But in my experience, many people, and especially LDS women, are not used to conflicting conversation. We're not built that way. And that's that's exactly true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet that as soon as you brought it up, she went into fight or flight mode. I'm 40-ish now, but when I was 23-ish, I told my dad on the phone that I thought people should be allowed to not say under God in the Pledge of Allegiance, and he verbally ripped me a new one. That's, I I wonder why he would have said that, well, no, you have to. uh." Yeah, like that people shouldn't even be allowed to not, I don't know. Yeah, that just seems, especially since it wasn't a part of the pledge until the 50s. Well, it's that, it's that. It's that dogmatic nationalism, though. Yeah, that you see on the right. 
Uh, she continues and says, I then backtracked and cried for 30 minutes. I'm sorry. Uh, she says, it took me several years to be able to stand up to my dad and not back down when he didn't like what I said. By the way, in my letter, I'm sorry if I sounded self-righteous about accepting my kids. I think that was probably in response to you, like, oh, good for you. <laughs> you know, being nice and, yeah. and being a parent to your children instead of rejecting them. Yeah. Uh, she says, I do congrat, I do congratulate myself, but only because I feel incredibly lucky to have been able to get to that point somehow. And I'm very happy for you and your children also. Uh, she says, I have continued to listen to your episodes and I really like your tone and the directions you go. Thanks again, Rebecca. P.S. I recently contributed to a blog written by women connected to Mormonism. If you want to see a quick post about how I try to approach life as a non-believer, and she left us a link to the post that I still have yet to read. I'm so sorry. I will try to do that when I, when I get a chance. I just, I'm a little overwhelmed and super busy at the moment, but I do, I am definitely interested in that. I want, I want to check it out. So thank you very much for sending us the message. Um, if any of you would like to send us a message, you can do so by sending an email to godlessrevolution at gmail.com or you can send us an, a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash godlessrevolution. Let us know how wrong we are about stuff or how much you agree with us or, uh, give us show ideas and all that kind of stuff. That's always yes. awesome. What, uh, have you for us this evening? I, Mr. Mr. Matt. Mr. Matt. I have a story. Story time. I like stories. Uh, the capital city of the United States, largest welfare state, Jerusalem. <laughs> In the wee hours of Thursday, July 19th, Israeli's parliament passed a controversial nation state law that explicitly defines Israel as the national home of the Jewish people. Mm. The law passed 6255 during a heated session that revealed deep divisions within Israeli society over the religious and democratic nature of what many have called the Jewish state. First introduced in 2011 the, um, uh, and amended many times before being approved, the law states that Jerusalem is Israel's united cap capital. It also recognizes the Jewish uh, Shabbat as the official day of rest while allowing non-Jews to observe their own Sabbath. Allowing them. Allowing them. Nice. How, how gracious and wonderful of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Independence Day is now an official holiday and Holocaust Remembrance Day and Memorial Day are recognized as days of mourning. Uh, the, haven't had any, haven't heard anything about if they're going to have any days of afternoon. Or, e or evening. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, you would think that they would if they're going to have full days of morning. Yeah, maybe they haven't made it that far yet. In the uh, well, I, would you really need a full day of afternoon? I mean, that's kind of nap time, right? That's lazy time. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, the law also codifies the parameters of long-used national symbols, such as the Israeli flag and the menorah. Uh, the use of both the Jewish and Gregorian calendars and Israel's relationship with diaspora Jews. While much of the law merely uh, cements day-to-day -day practices of life in Israel, it also breaks new and controversial ground. It states that the Jewish people have an exclusive right to national self-determination in uh, the country that makes Hebrew the only official language. Wait, they have they have an exclusive right to self-determination like nobody else has that right? 
Yeah. Huh. Uh, Arabic will have special status, but will no longer be an official language. And we are totally on board, Jews. We know all about the success of separate but equal. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, the clause on self-determination underscores Israel's vow to n- never allow Palestinian descendants of refugees the ability to settle en masse. You know, like the Jews did in Israel. Oh, that's very nice. Uh, a large influx, a large influx of non-Jews could eventually make Jews a minority in their own country. Government officials say. Well, that's why we don't want Mexicans here, right? Because then it'd be Mexico. But this, this is even worse, though. Uh, well, worse. I mean, there's some, there's something even more detestable about the way that the Jews in Israel are doing this because. Not only has it only been since 1947, 48, um, and length of time shouldn't mean that much, but without extreme help from the United States, they wouldn't even be there in the first place Mm -hmm. where, you know, the U.S. would still exist, uh, without outside help. But Mm. we've, you know, the U.S. has basically forced Israel to happen where it is in the Middle East and kept it. And kept it alive. Yeah, and now they're up, yeah. and now they're taking that uh, as a way to turn that even further against the Palestinians and have not and not just have cohabitation, but having a, a full on occupation mm-hmm. is what it's is what it's sounding like, at least from these this part of uh, Israeli parliament. Well, and just about all of the other reporting from that area over the last decade or four yeah, decades, right, right, seven right. decades. Uh, hours before the final vote, lawmakers removed a clause that would have authorized the creation of communities composed of people having the same faith and nationality to the exclusive character of that community. Uh, instead, uh, it says the state views the development of Jewish settlement as the national value and will act to encourage and promote its establishment and consolidation. Uh, so let me translate that. <laughs> We are hereby affording ourselves permission to continue our land grab of Palestinian areas by lethal force, despite having been forcibly given this property, displacing them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Supporters of the nation-state law said it merely recognizes the Jewish character of Israel, the only country in the world with a Jewish majority, and is a rebuke to the many countries and institutions from the Iranian regime to UNESCO. That claim Jews are colonial invaders with no religious or historical ties to ancient or modern Israel. Well, and how fucked up is it that you're organizing an entire country around one particular faith? Right. You're, you're organizing a country around a religion that's entirely fucking backward. And I know Israel is, you know, uh, uh, at least, uh, I can't think of the fucking word. I'm tired. It's been a long week. Um, purportedly secular in nature, ostensibly mm. a secular country, mm-hmm. but it's a country organized around a religion. In the in the same way that US Republicans are. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but that's just it. I mean, it's it's a Jewish state. It's not it's not in I don't, I don't, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, what you're yeah. So it's even worse than US Republicans because U.S. Republicans at least have the the platform of conservatism and whatever the RNC stands for. But in this case, it's 
starting with Jewishness. Right. And then building a country around that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're it right. would be, yeah. it would be like, I don't know, a bunch of, a bunch of Christians having somewhere set aside for them by maybe Putin, you know, Putin, Putin and the Kremlin decide that they're going to divide some portion of, of an existing country and give this land that they don't own to Christians. And Christians can go here, and so the Christians move there. They start building stuff. They start doing their own little thing, making their own little their own little Jesus government. And then they start, you know, pushing out more and more, and mm-hmm. knocking down homes of of poor people in the area that don't have the same religious background that they do. Yeah, it's yep. it's a country built around a religion, which is just fucking weird. Mm, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to think if that's weird in, in terms of strictly being unusual and historically, maybe it's not as weird, but it's definitely the, the wrong way around. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And especially, especially if you're using another country's funds to do it. I don't know. Something just rubs me the wrong way about that. I don't know what I, I don't know what I expect they should do, but. Not, not be oppressors mm-hmm. uh, and not, you know, I mean, not to go for the easy Jew joke, but not to be greedy with it either, <laughs> you know, take what you have and <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah. And I guess my problem with it is just that they keep, they keep expanding the land that they're already on, right? right. They're, they're raising homes of Palestinians. They're. They're destroying them. They've, they've got snipers out shooting. It's just the whole thing is, is a fucking mess. And it just bothers me that it's an entire nation whose basis is at its root a religious nation. I mean, it's, it's based on a religious identity. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bunch of bullshit. Well, and I think there would be some people that argue with me and would try to push back and say, well, you know, you can be culturally Jewish. Okay, sure. Right. And, and a lot of the or people. ethnically Jewish. Yeah. But I, and, and I would tend to agree with a talk that David Silverman delivered, um, a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago now, uh, to a Jewish group, uh, a group of secular Jews. And he said, he, he basically said that the whole idea of a secular Jew is silly because, you know, you have, you have Jews in Africa, you have, you have Jews in the Middle East, you have Jews in America, you have Jews all over the world. There is no there is no Jewish ethnicity right. per se. Are you talking like are you talking about African Jews? Are you talking about Ashkenazi Jews Ashkenazi Jews exclusively when you say ethnically Jewish? I mean, mm-hmm. who who are you talking about when you say that? And if you say that you are a secular Jew, what what is tying you to the word Jew or Jewish other than the faith traditions, mm-hmm. the religion itself? That's that's what being Jewish is. Is it's a faith. It's not an ethnicity. It's not a race. It's it's a religion. And so they're building a country around a religion. And like I said, I know some people would try to push back, but I I would probably push back on them as well and say, well, you know, how how do you determine who's a Jew? Is it that? You know, I was born from a mo- from a woman who was Jewish, and so right. then I'm Jewish. Like, how, like that the matrilineal. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, it's 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 all just it's it's 
I don't know. Like I said, it's just fucking weird to me that it's built around a religion. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of any other nation in the world that is like that. Um, there, there are religious states or religious countries where they have one predominant faith or, you know, where the faith kind of rules over it, but they didn't, I, I don't believe any of those were built around the faith to begin with. I guess it depends on how you define it because you, you might take something like, uh, well, a, a geographical area that's inhabited by people and, and if their neighbors are a different religion, they're going to war at some point. And when they do go to <laughs> war, those boundaries are going to be redrawn, you know, like this, this group is large, like, like we saw the with, go the spoils. Well, like we saw with, you know, uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina and, you know, S- Serbia and Yugoslavia and all those, all those Balkans that have been redrawn over and over again, largely because of the religious groups there, Northern Ireland and Ireland, um, mm-hmm. Armenia and, you know, and those other ones more, you know, in Indo-Europe and stuff that have been redrawn largely on the basis of warring religious factions. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably throughout history, I would bet that's be the number one cause of most of the border redraw redrawing situations. So mm-hmm. I would say in that, so that's why I was thinking earlier because I'm like that's got to be the like the main reason for redrawing boundaries in U.S. history or in, in world, world history. history. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, other than the other than the event, these the big events that you get every once in a while of like a Genghis Khan that just sweeps through and starts claiming everything for their own, but that's mm-hmm. probably not as common. I wouldn't think. Well, he was probably an atheist. Yeah. So it wouldn't oh, yeah. matter anyway. He's just out killing people. Not a, oh, yeah, yeah. Right, of course. Yeah, religious people don't kill anybody. <laughs> Never happens. Hey, this is Caitlin. And if you sign your kids up for youth sports, make sure to volunteer to coach. Thanks. And you're listening to The Godless Revolution. I came back and I said, what is going on? What's the big deal? So I got a transcript. I reviewed it. I actually went out and uh, reviewed a clip of uh, an answer that I gave. And I realize that there is a need for some clarification. It should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify just in case it wasn't. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russia. So. Just to repeat it, I said the word would instead of wouldn't, and the sentence should have been, and I thought it would be maybe a little bit unclear on the transcript or unclear on the actual video, the sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Okay, so this story had me really pissed off. I didn't watch the whole video. We watched maybe half of it. Uh, This comes to us uh, from listener Alan Frickinoff, who sends us tons and tons of stories. Actually, they're the bulk of what we'll be covering tonight. So thank you very much, Alan. I really appreciate that. 
Um, yeah, he sends us so much stuff. A lot, a lot of stuff. Uh, this story is from Michael Stone out on Patheos. It says conservative Christians attack 12 year old rape victim for seeking an abortion. In a vile campaign against a minor, conservative Christians in Alabama attack a young rape victim because she is choosing an abortion. Lawyers representing anti-abortion forced birth conservative Christians are calling a 12-year-old rape victim a murderer for choosing to have an abortion after an Alabama court ruled that the girl who was raped by an adult relative could have an abortion without parental consent. The two conservative Christian lawyers held a press conference this week to denounce the court's ruling while publicly harassing and abusing the 12-year-old rape victim. The attorneys, Wynne Johnson, a former legal director under controversial Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore, and Lori Mullins, the executive director of COPE Pregnancy Center in Montgomery, a faux clinic that that provides Christian, air quotes, counseling, but not abortions, made the absurd argument that the girl was not mature enough to choose an abortion, but but that she was mature enough to go through the nine months of pregnancy, the trial, and pain of birth and parenthood. Uh, I'm just going to skip right to the video because it's about five minutes long and there's so much to say. I'm a lawyer. My name is Wynn Johnson. I used to be the legal director for the Administrative Office of Courts here at, uh, in this building, in fact, for the Alabama court system, uh, under the tenure of uh, former Chief Justice Roy Moore. And uh, I also worked for him. And he says that with a big smile, like working for Roy Moore is a badge of honor. The guy who was removed from the bench twice. Well, he was only trying to do what was right and stand up for God in this country where uh, <laughs> he's just coming under attack at, from everywhere. From all sides. Oh, yeah. That's why That's why we need a, uh, what was Jeff Sessions thing? The fucking oh, yeah. uh, religious liberty task force. That'll be a great thing. Uh, yeah. What could go wrong, right? <laughs> In his first uh, term, back in uh, 2001 to 2003, I was his staff attorney at that time. I'm a concerned lawyer, concerned about our system. So here's what the courts have done in this case involving the 12-year-old girl. The civil opinion, the Court of Civil Appeals issued an opinion last Wednesday, July 12th, saying that she was mature enough, and I'm going to put this in its starkest terms, to decide to murder her own child in her womb. Do I really? So he thinks it's a problem that that she's so young that she can't really be mature enough to make this decision decision. by herself. But she somehow is mature enough to have to carry a child to full term. Right. As a fucking 12 year old. Yeah. Really have to explain to y'all that there's a child in the womb. Do I really have to go into what every five year old knows? He doesn't want to have to try to explain it because he doesn't fucking understand it himself. Yeah. Can we move on and say, that's a given. There's a life there. You can read opinions by Chief Justice Roy Moore, Justice Thomas, Tom Parker, explaining all the legal ramifications and bases for saying that Roe versus Wade is an aberration and an unjust opinion. Yeah, we should be able to force women to carry children. Right. And then once they're here, fuck them. We're not going to take care of them at all. But, you know, we want to make sure that we we force women to carry these these pregnancies to full term. And then, you know, if they happen to go to another country and, and try to seek asylum because America has turned into a theocracy and they're trying to escape that, they're trying to escape that persecution, well, then 
Maybe they're maybe th- we'll separate those mothers from the children that we forced them to have yeah. and then fucking lose them so that the children don't even know where their parents are and they're too young to even know what their parents names are and we'll just lose them. We won't keep track of all of the people that we've separated and then shipped off and deported some of the parents while keeping the children here because we didn't know who the fucking parents were. And it's funny too because they do all of this while, you know, having this this high horse kind of uh moral high ground bullshit and the policies you're describing are also their policies. Mhm. They're they're cruel on both sides of this. Yeah. Yeah, they they want to force women to carry pregnancies to full term and then once they're here they don't give a fuck about them. Yeah. Well, a uh, child's born now. It's it's on its own. Yep. But I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I want to talk about the very basis of our society. When you talk about the very basis of our society, you're talking about protecting life. Roe versus Wade. Wait. Protecting life from from a guy who represents the conservative right wing portion of America's population who doesn't give a fuck about people after they're actually born. It's pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. If you're not rich, if you're not a millionaire, it's because you're a lazy piece of shit. Everybody should be able to do that regardless of of circumstance. You just need to work harder maybe. Yep. You may be disadvantaged, but you know, not not achieving in life is all on you because you've got just as much opportunity as anybody else, which is fucking bullshit. Total bullshit. Was the first Denial of reality. It wasn't the transgender movement. (laughs) (laughs) So he's denying that trans, that being transgender is even a thing that that's just denying reality. He's denying reality. He doesn't that that's the thing. He doesn't fucking know that a zygote isn't a human being. It's a clump. It's a collection of cells. He doesn't know that trans people are a thing that that actually happens to people that sometimes when babies are born, the doctor just decides, well, this is going to be a boy or this is going to be a girl because their reproductive organs are ambiguous. So they, they make a decision after the child is born. And we don't actually even know what this guy thinks because every time he gets to the crux of the discussion or the, the, or where the arg on, you know, the point where the argument turns, he just, he just goes, well, uh, this is axiomatic. Yeah. We, I don't need to define this because we already all know, no, this is what the argument's about. You Uh need, you need to define it (laughs) to not only show that, you know, what you're talking about, to just make sure everyone's caught up to where, with what you're about to talk about. Well, he he doesn't even do that. He just goes, well, I don't need need to say that any, any five-year-old can see that I'm right. So next. (laughs) Well, and it's no wonder that he would have lost this case, not only because he's wrong, but because he doesn't know what he's talking about. uh, Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure that that was evident all throughout this entire case. Yeah. The way he's trying to present this here, this part just here makes him, he, he seems like an incompetent moron. Yeah. Roe versus Wade denied that there was a life in the womb and basically ordered the civil society of this country to not protect life. That is a bullshit straw man argument. That is not 
what the what the basis of Roe versus Wade is. Yeah, and uh, nobody denied that there was life inside in Roe versus Wade. Yeah, it hasn't, that's not what it's about. But but this this is something that should be. He's a lawyer, right? This is this should be right yeah. in his wheelhouse. Yeah. He he should know everything and especially just having gone through a case of this, he should know this top to bottom inside out. Yeah. Know this. Yeah. So one of you know, but he may be doing the classic Republican things uh, thing is and just lie about it because he knows that his audience won't know and you know, if he thinks, "Oh, well this is this this position I hold is the correct one, regardless of what the law actually says. If I lie about it, that's okay because I'm, I'm correct. Because I'm so more correct, yeah. I need to make sure that all these people are on board with my opinion. I'm lying in defense. That's of more what, important. Yeah. I'm lying in defense of what God wants us right. to do. Exactly. But that's not all because a law against murder protects the potential perpetrator too. And uh, right now I'd like to turn this over to, Lori Mullins, who is with Cope Pregnancy Center, a um, counseling service for women who are facing the decision about abortion. He couldn't say choice. He almost said choice. He had to stop and think. Say no decision. Wait, no wait. It's What's not a, a synonym. It's here? not a choice. It's a child. So I can't say choice. It's a uh, a decision. Yes, yes. It, it, remind, it reminds me of. Uh, have you seen? Oh fuck. Now I can't think of the name of the movie with Robin Williams and Edward Norton, uh, where Robin Williams plays a child TV character and so does Edward Norton. Uh, doesn't sound familiar. Fuck. I can't now. Okay. I'm going to pause this for just a sec. No, I have not seen that. Yeah. I just, so I just, un, I unpaused. I had to look it up. Death to Smoochie. I don't know why it's, I'm tired. It's been a long week. I said that before. It will be a recurring theme, I'm sure. But so in Death to Smoochie, um, Robin Williams is trying to sabotage Edward Norton's character. And so on Edward Norton's show, there's a portion of it where he has this magic bag and he pulls cookies out of it and they're different shapes, whatever. So Robin Williams made all of the cookies and he, he basically filled the bag with dick shaped cookies. <laughs> And so Edward Norton is recording the show with children all around him. They're all excited. Oh, no. He's reaching into the bag to pull out a cookie and he pulls it out and he's, he's like, let's see what it is. And he pulls, pulls this cookie out and he's like, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, and you can see this moment where the light flashes and he's like, it's a rocket ship. <laughs> it's a rocket ship. And he was just so relieved to have this, this, this realization or this epiphany that, oh yeah, yeah it's a rocket ship. I that's have a how solution. I'll cover it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what that, that's what this reminded you of, obviously. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Abortion yeah. and facing the aftermath of abortion. True. We were founded to help the mothers. We were founded to give women some kind of support, financial support, emotional support, spiritual support in their decision and to give them love and understanding after the decision, no matter what that decision might be. And the, we're dealing with a 12 year old, 12. If any of you have children, I have a niece who's 12. This child is going into the sixth grade. So we want to make sure she's pregnant while she's there. Yep. She probably has trouble deciding what shirt to wear to school. 
and clearly can't make a decision on wanting to have to carry a pregnancy to full term. So we want to try to force that on her. And the big bad court said, no, you can't do that to a 12 year old child who was, who was raped, who was raped by a family member. And these people want to force her to carry that child to term. The courts, the law has decided that she's not old enough, wise enough, mature enough to make her own decision about whether or not she wants to drink, to buy a pack of cigarettes, to drive a car. But they've now put this decision, this responsibility in her hands. This is a 12-year-old child who now has the responsibility of life and death. And no matter how you feel about abortion, that's what it is. It is a decision about life or death. And how much danger would she be in as a 12-year-old in carrying a pregnancy to full term? That can't be good for a 12-year-old. And it's a decision this child is going to have to live with forever. Yeah, she's probably going to get counseling for her deplorable family situation. No one's arguing that. She's a victim of incest. She's a victim of rape. Her mother has been abusive. She's been removed from her home. But an abortion is not going to fix any of that, and it's certainly not going to make it better. So how would carrying a pregnancy to full term make it better? That every day Every hour, every minute, every second of her life for the next nine months, she would be carrying something inside her that she, that is just a constant reminder of the times that she was brutally raped by a family member. They want to force that on a 12 year old. Mm -hmm. What is that going to do to her mental state? That she has to be, that she's carrying around a constant, constant reminder of the times that she was raped by a family member and they want to force that on her and they think that that's the right thing to do. Yep. That's so fucking sick and twisted. Yeah, it's awful. She has been victimized her entire life and now she's been put in a position of being the perpetrator of this newest violence because that's what's going to happen whether she grasps it now there is a point in her life where she is going to understand what she has done i don't know what the perfect answer is but i do know this is not it and if i could actually speak to this child the only thing i could say to her is you've been robbed of your childhood don't rob yourself of your future How is she, oh God, how is she robbing herself of her future for a decision that she's making now that will enable her to try to move past this horrible episode and portion of her life, right? That she's not going to have to carry this, this pregnancy to full term and have that constant reminder. And then if, and when the child is born, that she then has to think that Somewhere out in the world, whether she decides to keep the child or give it up for adoption, but somewhere out in the world is a person that she had to carry to full term after she was raped by a family member. Yeah, I think I think one of the worst things that they're doing right here, too, is just putting it putting it in her head that no matter what she does, it's her fault. Yeah. You know, she she's already going to be in a lifelong battle with dealing uh, with guilt over this and no matter what, no matter how well you treat Mm. how you handle it now. Um, But to, but to be putting that in her head as a, as a for sure thing is like, fuck you. 
Well, yeah, they're basically, they're setting her up to have mental health issues about this in the future by telling her now that what you're doing is wrong and evil. You're just too dumb and stupid and naive to even be able to make this decision and you're ending a life and you're going to have to live the rest of your life with that, with that thought in your mind. Right. That you're going to be a murderer. Yeah. Unless you, unless you carry it. Yeah. That's awful. What shipwreck do women face because they have, no, they have killed their own child. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine living with that. And yet, so here we are. What, uh, what should the Court of Civil Appeals have done and the juvenile court judge have done? What should uh, Judge Sam Donaldson, who authored the opinion? From what I understand, he's a good, solid judge, but not in this case. In this case, they said the girl's mature enough to do this. They have no clue. They said it's in her best interest to violate her conscience and murder her own child. <sighs> Just the way that he's framing it is so yeah, harmful. All to, of this, to I know. <laughs> Like he, it's, it's clear that he doesn't really give a fuck about this young girl. If he did, he wouldn't be saying these vile things about right. her. That's what they said. So in this case, Judge Donaldson and the Alabama Court of Civil Appeals and the juvenile court judge failed the state of Alabama by not living up to their duty to protect innocent life. Yeah. And that's the end of the video to protect innocent life. There's, there's, there's a 12 year old innocent life involved here. Yeah. They're, they're not seeking to make things better. They're, their actions, what they would try to force her to do would only be compounding the error. Oh yeah. Right. There it's, it's that sunk cost fallacy where, well, she's already pregnant and you know, we don't want, we don't want to make this even worse by, you know, quote unquote murdering this child in the womb. Right. So we're going to force her to carry her rapist's child. And I didn't see any mention of what they planned to do with the, with the baby if she were to carry it to term. But I mean, would, would they force her to raise it if nobody else wanted it or? Right. Right. It's just, it's, it's, it's disgusting. He, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And then he's further damaging this poor girl by saying she's a murderer. I, I I have a solution to all of this. What if they just uh, what if they just had her marry her rapist <laughs> and raise it, and then they could raise it together? They could well, get that a, would be more biblically accurate. Then they could really. get a nice, strong male influence on the baby, and right. Uh, I mean, I mean, in the Bible, if if a if yeah. a man rapes somebody, then as long as he marries her and pays her father, I don't remember how many fifty shekels, fifty shekels. Mm -hmm. As long as so so. If, you know, you could rape a woman, but as long as you then pay her father 50 shekels and marry her, it's perfectly fine. Right. That's, yeah, obviously I'm so making a joke about that ridiculous idea that's in the Bible. Well, right. But I mean, if they, if they want to make the argument that, you know, this is, this is a detriment to society, it, it's harmful, you know, God weeps when he sees these, these types of things. Well, then why wouldn't they just go a whole hog? Why? Does this guy have any children of his own? Were they ever, did they ever backtalk him? Were they ever sassy? Right. Why didn't he kill them when they did that? They, they pick and choose what they want from the Bible anyway. But that uh, kind of segues into this next story that I had prepared. And this actually comes to us from a friend of mine on Facebook. Uh, somebody that I'm also friends with, uh, in, in the real, real. 
Mr. Ken Van Morham. Uh, he posted a link to this article that says the new research shows most human pregnancies end in miscarriage. What the what? What? It's treated as a taboo subject, but miscarriages, miscarriages of pregnancy happen a lot. This comes to us from Science Alert, written by Michelle Starr. Well, according to a new paper, they happen a lot more than any of us may realize, even the women having them. The research has found that more than half of successful fertilizations will end in miscarriage. More than half. Damn. More than half of all fertilizations will end in miscarriage. The research, which has yet to be peer-reviewed, was penned by evolutionary geneticist William Richard Rice of the University of California, Santa Barbara, and draws upon many previously conducted studies and health databases for a meta-analysis. Previous research has found that somewhere between 10 and 20%, or as many as 1 in 4 known pregnancies end in miscarriage, also known medically as spontaneous abortion. One study in Denmark, which included 1,221,546 pregnancies between 1978 and 1992, found the overall miscarriage rate was 13.5%. Obviously, that's going to vary by region and socioeconomic status, and the risk sharply increases by age. But there's one other very important qualifier to note. Many women don't even know they're pregnant initially, and since most miscarriages happen in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, many miscarry without even knowing it's happening. It's these unknown miscarriages that make up the majority, according to Rice. In fact, he found that a woman in her 20s is just as likely to miscarry as carry the fetus to term. And because the miscarriage rate only rises with age, the number of miscarriages far outnumber live births, his analysis asserts. Quote, it's, it is not an abnormality, he told New Scientist. It is the norm. It's not just known pregnancy statistics that provide this information. We can also learn a lot from IVF statistics. A 2014 IVF study found that of 284 successfully karyotyped embryos from young women, 151 had abnormalities in the number of chromosomes, a rate of 53.2%. This sort of abnormality, called aneuploidy, I'm sure I murdered that, just like these babies, right? <laughs> is the most common cause of miscarriages, accounting for 50%, and the risk of it rises with age. Using information, using information such as this, Rice calculated that women in Denmark, based on the aforementioned study, have 1.7 live births on average in their lifetimes, but 2.1 miscarriages. And this is a country with access to free birth control and elective abortions up to 12 weeks. By contrast, Mormon women, yay, in America, in the 19th century had an average of eight live births and 16.8 miscarriages. So a little more than double the number of live births that they had. It is a finding that suggests two things. Firstly, that miscarriage is, quote, the predominant outcome of fertilization and, quote, a natural and inevitable part of human reproduction at all ages, Rice wrote in his paper. Secondly, that access to birth control can greatly reduce the number of miscarriages a woman will have in her lifetime. Which also means that the number of abortions would go down. So all of these people on the Christian right who are so upset that, you know, they would have to provide contraceptive care to women as part of their health insurance plan or think that, um, you know, the pill and, and other contraceptive methods 
are basically abortions themselves. Right, right. They're just they're just wrong. They're they're actually stopping additional abortions. Yeah. Not only the spontaneous ones, but the ones that women would choose to seek after uh becoming pregnant after after having an unwanted pregnancy. Um, while the actual numbers will never likely be known for certain, it is common sense that the use of birth control vastly reduces the risk of miscarriage while in use because it vastly reduces the risk of pregnancy in the first place. So it's unsurprising that this is also what Rice's numbers reveal. Quote, to reproduce, a human female cannot forego a high risk of spontaneous abortions, and to have a large family, it is virtually impossible to avoid multiple spontaneous abortions, he wrote in his paper. Quote, modern birth control with access to elective abortions markedly reduces rather than increases the lifetime number of abortions a woman produces. You can read the paper yourself on preprint resources at BioRxiv. And I'm sure that the Christian lawyer we just heard from would also argue that we shouldn't be putting, that we shouldn't allow women under a certain age to have access to birth control. Right, that that's just wrong. Yeah, of course. That we shouldn't do that. They made that argument when when they came out with the vaccination for what's the type of cancer that you can get through your lady parts? Ovarian, uterine. No, I can't remember. Anyway, they they made the argument then that they that they didn't want to be supplying that vaccination to children because then it would just encourage them to have sex. Right, right, right. Hi, this is Regina Tippetts. I'm a licensed professional counselor. You can find me at Secular Therapy Project or rctcounseling.com. And you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Um, and this is something I've never told anybody, but I used to bring um, communion uh, to the hospitals in our Houston's full of them. And I gave this one lady communion and she immediately puked. Hmm. And I thought, okay, what are you supposed to do? And so I gathered, you know, all the vomit and the host in this little plastic bag. And then I started thinking, how can I leave Jesus there? That is just disgusting. What can I do? I swallowed it. I swallowed the whole bag. <laughs> oh, wow. Then I went. I did. I couldn't stand to leave him there. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! All right, what have you got on deck for us? Well, the boys are out. They're out of the cave. Oh, shit. I might... Oh, I thought my fly was down or something. (laughs) (laughs) The boys are out of the cave. In Thailand. Oh, right, right. And Hollywood wants in. Oh, yeah? The producers behind Christian films like God's Not Dead are already in Thailand with plans to develop a movie about the 18-day saga of the soccer team trapped in a flooded cave. Is it going to be a God-bothering movie like it was all through God's intervention that they were saved? I'm sure it will. Though the drama of headline-grabbing rescues often doesn't carry over to the big screen, Pure Flix Entertainment co-founder Michael Scott Yep, that's his name. E. <laughs> Believes the story about the 12 boys. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> no! No! <laughs> and their 25-year-old coach is ripe for movie adaptation. Quote, we realize that this would make an incredibly inspiring movie, Scott said, speaking by phone from Thailand. Like a lot of people, we know there's not a lot of positive news in the world today. 
Uh, yeah. So this is definitely not a pocket pad, uh, padding opportunity, guys. Just so you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's all about good news. Yeah. We just want to inspire people. And also, what is he complaining about in the news these days? Trump is the president, right? Like <laughs> it's all good news lot, to yeah. him, right? Yeah. Uh, Scott said he feels a personal connection with this story. I'm sure he fucking does. Uh, his wife is Thai and, uh, he really likes pho. No. Uh, his <laughs> wife is Thai and he said, uh, he was spending the summer in Bangkok when the sum, when the soccer team went missing. Scott and fellow producer Adam Smith recently traveled to the area around the cave in northern Thailand and they have begun talking to some of the participants about their life rights. Um, sign them away to us. We'll, we'll treat you right. I swear. Yeah. If you don't know what life rights are, it's when you buy the rights to portray someone in film or television, you are buying a bundle of rights. These rights include protection from suits based on defamation, invasion, invasion, invasion. Oh my God. <laughs> invasion of privacy. Yeah. As an American, how do I not know the word invasion <laughs> of privacy, privacy, and the right to publicity? <clears throat> Quote, for us, it's uh, not a huge race, said Smith. It's about making sure that we get the authenticity right. I don't think this is a religious film, said Scott. I think it's an inspirational film. So it's going to be a religious of film. Of course yeah. it will. Yeah. He's just trying to reach a broader audience, I bet. Mm. Uh, there's also some reason to doubt the box office appeal of the tale. Uh, ripped from headlines, movies have not been setting the world on fire. Though Clint Eastwood's Sully was a success, uh, his 2018 docudrama about the 2015 uh, Dallas train attack. No, sorry. Dallas train attack? Uh, Thallus. Thalys, 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 Thalys. So I think it was just a weird, a weird place to pause because you said his movie about Sully Slogan Solenberger, and then you said, you know, I'm sure if you read more, it will make more sense. But it sounded like when you paused there that you were saying Sully was about a train, something. Oh, 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 oh! I see what you're saying. Um, the fifteen seventeen to Paris. But so Sully was a huge success, but that one was not. Right. I'm sure is what he's, yeah. Yes, right. Clint Eastwood's Sully was a success. His 28, yeah, I did read that awkwardly. You are correct. <laughs> uh, Michael Bay's 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, uh, was the director's worst performing release. Peter Berg's 2016, that's two names, Peter Berg, not Peter Berg's. <laughs> A uh, drama about the 2010 oil rig explosion, Deepwater Horizon, likewise fizzled. The best comparison would be 2015's The 33 about the 2010 mining disaster in Chile that trapped 33 miners for two months. Miners, not minors. That's crazy. They were under there for two months. Yeah. Yeah. What are these? What is this soccer team whining about? <laughs> uh, though boasting a starry cast of Antonio Banderas, Josh Brolin, and uh, Juliette Binoche, it barely, it made barely a blip at the box office with 24.9 million worldwide, which is pretty awful, even though that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, like you, Dan, wonder what kind of a miracle spin will be put on this. 
Yeah, like it was a miracle that they were trapped in the cave. It's a miracle that they almost starved to death. It's a miracle that they were sick and had lost so much weight, were malnourished. It's a miracle that one of the divers died. Like, mm-hmm. none. If if any of it were miraculous, it wouldn't have fucking happened in the first place, right? It's a miracle that that doesn't happen all the time. Well, you can't have a miracle uh, without uh, tragedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because if no tragedy was allowed, then it wouldn't be a miracle because you wouldn't have anything to, right? It would be nothing to save. Mm. I guess we, I guess it would depend on the individual person's definition of what is a miracle. Nope. You know, I've, is, just, is it, I've just solved the problem of evil. So <laughs> <laughs> is it something that just, you know, is a feel good moment for you? Is it something that is extraordinary or is it something that, breaks the laws of physics mm-hmm. that, that's that's a miraculous thing it's it it otherwise could not have happened but for the intervention of a supernatural being i think the latter is at least the way i view it and i think yeah. also the dictionary definition not that that holds a lot of weight but yeah i mean you know some of the some of the mundane bullshit that religious people talk about as you know, and it may just be that they're using it colloquially when they say, "Oh, it's a miracle," so you know, or it just it 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 seems like they're really taking that word in vain a lot of times, you know. <laughs> yeah, like miracle whip. Fuck that. That stuff is not good. It's not good. No, it's I don't. Good. I don't like it very much. My mom makes an open face tomato green tomato sandwich. With a specific kind of bread and a very thin layer of Miracle Whip and these delicious homegrown tomatoes. And they really are green. They're, uh, they're yeah. Yeah. pre-ripe. Yeah. And mm. it's, and they're really, really good. Really? But, uh, other than that, no. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I like, with tomatoes, I like real mayo better. Yeah. I, have, I haven't had this, uh, whatever sandwich that is. What do you call it? Open-faced green tomato. The, the, those sandwiches that my mom makes oh, for, and, for a little bit during each year. And the tangy zip of Miracle <laughs> Whip. Well, it's got that little bit of sweet flavor with some, yeah, with mm-hmm. tomatoes and a little bit of salt on there. And yeah, they're really good. It's hmm. yummy. What else you got for us? Organizations like the United Nations have long emphasized the value of social inclusion of minority groups, particularly among developed countries, with rampant discrimination and new research poses a financial incentive. A more tolerant society may be a more prosperous one. Oh, yeah? A, a society that has more tolerance toward people who are different can I, be more prosperous? And this is a shocker to me because I thought conservative uh, policies always led to more prosperous countries but no we'll mm. see mm. in a century long a century long analysis of the economies of more than 100 different countries so not a small sample 100 years and 100 different countries mm. researchers found that countries became wealthier as they moved toward more secular policies increased tolerance uh was an even stronger predictor of countries economic growth over time uh evidence that more socially developed nations have stronger economies, according to the study published Wednesday in the journal, in the journal science advances to evaluate the economic 
effects of a decline in religiosity, the study's authors compared a, a country's historical gross domestic product per capita between 1900 and 2000 with the results of a cultural of a cultural values survey from the residents of the countries of every age demographic. Researchers found a country's GDP per capita rose as secularism did by 1000 after 10 years to 2800 after 20 years and 5000 after 30 years. It's almost like if you allow people to question things and think outside the box, they'll come up with some cool shit. Yeah. That, that, that when, when people are allowed to get the answers right, that more of the answers are correct. <laughs> um, researchers called tolerance of, indiv of individual expression the ultimate driver of economic change. So you're bang on the money, Dan. Increases in tolerance of former deviant behaviors like, hom quote, deviant behaviors like homosexuality, divorce, and abortion correlated positively with an increase in GDP per capita, even more steadily than secularism measured alone, as shifting social norms allowed more people, particularly women, to join the workforce and contribute to economic activity. Tolerance of individual expression feeds irreligion, researchers posited, as secular government programs replacing religious institutions as society's primary provider of welfare, resources, and education. Global increases in college attendance more widely attended by women and minorities as tolerance grew, made for a more informed, productive citizenry, another factor in economic development. Mm -hmm. So everything gets better. Well, yeah, when you're not telling people how to think and what to think and letting them explore things and you have a diversity of opinions and a diversity, and a diversity of, of cultural people and backgrounds. backgrounds yeah. yeah, absolutely. Diversity is a wonderful fucking thing. It helps mm -hmm. us. It helps us develop so many new things that we never would have realized were we all just a homogenous lump of white Christians. <laughs> and I don't know how people don't get this. Like even even the even the old cliche, two heads are better than one, right? Well, yeah. not if the two heads are the same. Right. Right. Then then it's useless, right? Yeah. You need two different heads. Yeah. Somebody who brings a different perspective, a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. yeah. New ideas, different approach. You know, yeah. All that. All that stuff. All of it. All of it. It's kind of like, you know, when you, I don't know, I have this thought exercise sometimes where I think, wouldn't it be cool to know, like, all available information in the world? Like, what cool things could you do and what awesome things, what what problems could you solve if you knew everything and could take, could take something, you know, if, like, you're working on an issue here and there's a solution Somewhere mm -hmm. out in the world, but right. it's so disparate and so far set apart from what you're actively working on now that you'll ne you'll never even realize it, right? You'll yeah. never know that the solution is out there, but it's it's being used for something completely unrelated to what you're working on right now. Or even even if the exact solution isn't out there, with that much knowledge, you can create a solution out of the stuff you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so getting all of that, you know, getting opinions and views from everybody with that diverse background inevitably leads to better things yep i like, like it like tacos <laughs> Ooh, fucking tacos i haven't had tacos for a lot of while and they're good for a lot of while what, what is a lot? Uh, many whiles many whiles 
Uh, it's been a long week and I'm tired. <laughs> That's so it's been, a, it's been a lot of whiles. You were, you were literally tired today. Padunch. Oh yes. I did have to go and get new tires. Did I talk about that? I didn't talk you, about you that. You did. Did yeah, I? Yeah. Oh. I mean, you didn't tell the full story, but you, you mentioned it. Yeah. But I got a great deal on, on a full set of tires for the truck. So I'm set for a while. Uh, when I, when I got them. The person who helped me procure the tires for a fantastic price, uh, asked what tires I wanted. Like, do I want to spend a lot of money on tires? And I said, you know, for as often as I drive the truck, they, the wheels will rot and fall off before the tread ever wears out. So give me the cheapest tires you can find because it doesn't fucking matter. Like I'm not, I don't drive it a whole lot. It, it doesn't. If I put 50,000 miles on that car or on that truck before it just rusts into nothingness in the driveway, I would, I would be completely surprised. I, I put wow. maybe a thousand miles on it a year. If that, that's if I'm driving it a lot, but right. Hmm. Well, that'll do it for us tonight for the regular portion of the show. We have some fun stuff lined up for Patreon. We're going to be talking about Bigfoot. And Jim Baker and uh, you guys remember the I can't remember if we did it as a as a portion of, of the Patreon show where there was the woman who was basically commanding the hurricane to go away. Oh, yeah. So she's back for some more fun things we're going to be covering in the Patreon section. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, if you would like to hear the Patreon portion. You can go to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution and contribute as little as $1 per episode where you get extended episodes, early releases, um, sometimes the occasional bonus episode. It's a lot of fun. You would, you would really enjoy it. If you like what we're doing, you should do that. If, however, it would cause you any financial burden whatsoever, don't do it. Do not do it. Um, but if you can afford it and you appreciate what we're doing, we would greatly appreciate you supporting us in doing that. Cause you know, this, this stuff actually takes money to create and produce and put out there aside from our time and effort and everything like that. But before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be Vanessa, Michelle Short, Christy Kalbach, New Mania, Alan Firth, Larry Wilson, those two skeptical chips. Oh, ch ch chaps, chaps, the chaps of, that are skeptical with a K. Those guys. Let them eat Kofefe. Kofefe? Stephen Andrus. LaFalls. Janet Uter. Jeff Peterson. Marius Kotbutrakowski. Utah Outcasts. Megan Kennedy. Andrew Vodapich. Brandy Hamrick. Jeremy Goodson. Angelica Pearson. Wesley Aaron. Savita Kuna. Purple Dragon. And Taylor Grin. We love you all very much. Smooches, uh, hugs and kisses on all your pink parts with enthusiastic <laughs> consent only, of course. And so until next week, crucify Damp, because he's going to hike himself up on the fucking cross all the time <laughs> anyway. Leave a review to achieve abortion. <laughs> and rate the show five times a day toward Patreon. My lover's got humor She's the giggle at a funeral Knows everybody's disapproval I should've worshipped her sooner If the heavens ever did speak 
She's the last true mouthpiece Every Sunday's getting more bleak Fresh poison each week We were born sick You heard them say it My church offers no absolutes She tells me worship in the bedroom The only heaven I'll be sent to Is when I'm alone with you I was born sick But I love it Command me to be should really think about these things while we're recording instead of right at the very end. It's tricky sometimes.